Today's reading is James chapter 3, from 1 to verse 12, and that's found on 1012 of the Church Bibles. Not many of you shall become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of a deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Uh, let me pray, and then we will um, we'll get stuck in. Uh, Lord Jesus, some of what we are uh, going to hear today is not easy to hear. Um, some of what we hear today um, will challenge us. Lord, we, we want that. We want your Holy Spirit to convict us of the things that are wrong in our lives so that we may grow in knowledge and love of you so that we may grow to be more like your son, Jesus. We can't do this on our own, Lord. We need your help to do this. And I pray that you would give us your help. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. A quick quiz for uh, those of you who were here last time I preached. Uh, what three things, this was, this was from chapter one, what three things did James not want us to be deceived about? Uh, hands, up. hands up. Rob? Temptation? Temptation? Yep, yeah, that was one. Easy one. <laughs> There's two more. Temptation. The last one is religion. Yeah. It's all right. You can you can uh, you can look it up in your own time. But uh, the last one is religion. Specifically, um, have a look at uh, James chapter one verse twenty six. The, the summary of the, the third deception we looked at was: if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceive his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now, if you look, that's the same language we see in verse two of what we read today. It said, uh, verse 2 said, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So we've got a link there. 
Right? Chapter 1, if your tongue is not bridled, not controlled, then your religion is worthless. Chapter 3, the opposite. If your tongue is controlled, if you never stumble in what you say, then you are the perfect man. Sounds pretty idyllic. I wouldn't mind having a t-shirt or something that said perfect man on it. Rob's already got one. Unfortunately, it's, it's not as simple as that. Because actually, as I've been studying this, God has shown me how far I am from having that label. And God's going to show us today through James, and he's going to challenge us. He's going to show us what our tongues are really like. And through doing that, he's going to show us how far we are from having the label of perfect man or perfect woman. And you might have picked up some of the language as we walk through. It's not a particularly pleasant picture. There's lots of um, pretty bold description. James certainly doesn't beat around the, the bush, and it's very clear illustrations And I think the point he wants us to get to, and the point he wanted the early church to get to, is to be so horrified by the reality of the way that their tongues were, be so horrified by the way they spoke, that they got down on their knees, that we need to get down on our knees and cry out to God for help. That we turn to the only one who has ever had the perfect way of speaking, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So I suppose this this talk comes with a warning. It's probably going to make you feel quite uncomfortable. Because it certainly did me. And I want to say, in some ways, good. Because that's, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And remember, though, remember that what we hear from God today, what the Holy Spirit speaks to you today, you can't just leave it when you walk out the door. If you remember back to chapter one, we had that cycle of here... Receive and do. You need to receive what God's saying for your life. And in his strength, you need to act on it. And as I teach you today, and and Rob and I were talking about this today, as as others in our church teach you, we're we're humbled by what James said in verse 1. Have a look at verse 1. He said, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. People who teach the Bible have the power to teach truth or lies. If studying and teaching the truth of the Bible, then the big danger is to be hypocritical. To stand up the front and say something on a Sunday, but not to do it in our own lives. And so the judgment for when we are here is only and go against what God is teaching us is far greater. If we're studying the the, the Bible and preaching lies, then we become false teachers. And Jesus says, those people should be cut down like a diseased tree and thrown into a fire. So I ask you, um, before we get stuck into the rest, as we often do as a church, to, to keep those who teach in this church, and those who you know who teach, to keep us in your prayers. Praying for us that we would have humility as we study. Wisdom as we prepare and godliness as we teach. Praying that we wouldn't be hypocritical, but we would humble ourselves in putting into action the things that we teach. Because the reality of verse 2 is that those of us who teach, we all stumble in many ways. And it's only through the miracle of salvation that we can, in God's strength, strive to live like Jesus.
And it's only through the miracle of salvation that God will one day, in the face of stricter judgment, still see us as righteous. And then after verse 1, James, he then, so he's talked about people teaching the Bible, he then broadens out. And he's starting to talk about the reality for all Christians. And we're going to build up this picture together of um, the reality of our tongue. And the first thing James wants us to see is that it is powerful. The tongue is powerful. And he starts with two illustrations. And two illustrations show us that the tongue, even though it's so small, is extremely powerful and can boast of great things. Uh, Firstly, verse verse 3, consider the horse. I had some horse jokes. You ready? This is not the main point. Even though the naysayers might disagree. Has anyone ever ridden a horse? I've done it once. It's so uncomfortable. Um, But to ride a horse, um, you put a small metal bar in the back of their mouth. Um, That's that's this bit here. That's called the bit. And then the bridle attaches to the reins. And by having that in their mouth, you you can steer the horse wherever you want it to go. Provided the horse is in a good mood, I suppose. Now, a horse, the average horse weighs half a ton. So I'd say that's pretty impressive. And and James is saying the tongue is like that bit and bridle, right? The things we say can direct our whole bodies, like someone riding a horse, steering with the reins. Okay, secondly, an upgrade in size. He says, think about the ships in verse four. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Uh, This ship is called the Ever Given And you might remember in March 2021, it got stranded in the Suez Canal, completely blocked the Suez Canal. It's one of the biggest container ships that exists. It's 400 metres long. It weighs 221,000 tonnes and it can carry just over 20,000 containers. Pretty impressive. Anyone want to guess how long the rudder is? Come on, guess it. Sorry? No, longer than that. 10 metres. For a ship that's 400 metres long, the rudder is 10 metres. 0.25%, I think. So James is saying that even though your tongue is so small, it controls the direction of your whole body. What you say defines the path you will take. What you say in a job interview defines whether you will get that job. Conversations with friends affect the trust and strength of a friendship. Difficult family meetings have a solution or leave things in turmoil. Insults, compliments, jokes, painful truths, they all have the power to change the course of our lives. Now imagine if we stopped here and we said, right, this is where we're going to finish today. We're going to apply this now to our lives. That's an easy application, right? The application is, if you're a good rider of a horse, and if a ship has a good captain, then the horse will go where it's meant to go, and the ship will go where it's meant to go. So if we do a good job of controlling our tongues, then we're going to have a good life. There's a problem there. There's a couple of problems, really. Uh, The first problem is um, we think that we can do it ourselves. We think that we don't, we don't need Jesus. And that's not true. And the other problem is, is that's not where we're stopping. We're going to keep going. Because there's two more parts of the picture. 
Um, and so James has told us, he says the tongue is powerful. Um, secondly, he says it's destructive. Look at verse 5. He says, so the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, that just means other parts of the body, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James is saying, a massive forest fire starts with a tiny spark. The tongue is that spark that can have a devastating effect on us and the lives of others. And up, up until now, kind of James has been very vague, and now the language of sin starts to come in, right? He calls the tongue a whole world of evil, because sometimes the thing, things we say are evil, and destroy friendships, and ruin careers, and, and tear apart families, and, and squash opportunities. Just think of a moment of fun that can be completely ruined by a cruel word or a thoughtless comment. And James keeps now piling on the language. He says, there's two effects of our tongue. The first one is it stains the whole body. This is not a splash of tomato soup on the front of your shirt. This is your entire body covered in permanent ink. Because because the tongue guides the whole body, like a rudder or or reins, the world of evil doesn't just stay in our tongue. It radiates through our whole body. And so the the things that we say give us a reputation, right? If we are harsh in the way that we speak to our children, then our children will see us as harsh and other people will see us as harsh. If we say unkind things to our friends or family, then people are going to want to stay away from us. If we tell lies, then people see us as untrustworthy. It happens a lot at school. Uh, The other day, a group of children in my class, they were sitting outside the window, ready to come in for lunch. One of them kicked a stone, which hit the window. So I stuck my head through the door and I said, who kicked that stone? And he will look at me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I was like, it definitely came from one of you. And it took about five minutes to get one of them to tell the truth. And I spoke to him the next day and I said to him, how am I meant to trust you after you've spent five minutes lying to me? How am I meant to now trust the things that you say? Our whole body is stained from the actions of a small spark, a small fire in our mouths. And then it's secondly, it sets on fire the entire course of life. This is, the, this is a similar point, but actually he's adding past and future. Imagine the conversations that have gone before us, people we've hurt, broken relationships, lost friendships. And imagine the path of life stretched ahead of us. Friends, current friends, family, work colleagues, parents at the school gates, the strangers who just happened to cross our paths, all tinder dry wood just waiting to be set on fire by the spark in our mouths. A huge forest fire caused by such a small flame. Again, we could stop here and we could think, oh, let's apply this because it's easily fixed, right? If if, if the tongue is a small fire, then we've just got to control the way we speak. We've just got to extinguish or, or use the fire well, like in a small campfire, something like that. And then the big fire won't happen. We're not stopping here. James doesn't stop here. He keeps going. The tongue is powerful. The tongue is destructive. 
and the tongue is untamable. Look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It was interesting, I was, I was thinking about the animals that humans have tamed. Things like we ride elephants. People ride elephants, right? People train tigers, or did in the past, day, to jump through fiery hoops. Uh, David Attenborough, when I was growing up, you remember David Attenborough cuddled up with the gorillas? Might make you feel old. <laughs> but in verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. This is really important. And like a writhing python, he says, the tongue is, is restless and it's full of deadly poison that infects our lives until death. And this links in, then links into um, the problem of double-mindedness. Double-mindedness is one of the themes that runs through James. And he, he, we talked about it in chapter one, when um, the, the, kind of the, the church's doubt, doubt versus kind of their faith. And in verses 9 and 10, we then see another way that double-mindedness, having two minds, comes out. Look at verse 9, he says, With it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the same likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. It's double-mindedness, a a double way of living, living two ways at the same time, right? We sing God's praises in church, and then we swear at someone on the way home. Or we pray at the prayer meeting, and in the conversation after, we have ourselves a, a, a little bit of gossip. And we need, we need to feel the force of this. And we need to understand why. Why are we like this? Because if we understand why, then we can find a solution. And James has already told in verse 6 um, that... The source of the tongue's evil is hell. Even though we've been saved by grace, the fire of hell still has power over the things we say and therefore over the whole course of our lives. The devil is the the spark, the ignition, the the source that, that turns the small fire in our mouth and burns it into a massive forest fire from the moment we learn to throw our first insult to our final piece of gossip. Now, this, is, this isn't new thinking. Uh, James is he's actually echoing the teaching of his brother, Jesus. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had a big problem with this. Um, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Jesus says, and on what page am I on? 817. Uh, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers! How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. 
I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so Jesus helps us to understand that the root of the problem is not in our tongue, it's in our hearts. And so the reason that our tongues are so destructive is because our hearts are so destructive. And the reason our whole body is stained by what we say is because our hearts are stained by sin. The reason that no human being can tame the tongue is because no human being can tame the heart. Jesus adds in Matthew 15, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and therefore defiles a person. And this is one of the big moments in the Mark drama, remember. For out of the mouth comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. A heart of sin cannot produce pure speech, godly speech, in the same way that a fig tree cannot bear olives, a grapevine cannot produce figs and a salt pond cannot yield fresh water and for a non-christian i suppose your your heart is is naturally inclined towards sin and and is hardened towards god and and therefore you would expect the things that you say to be different to what god wants and if you're not a christian and want to change the way you speak in a way that honors god and is loving to others as opposed to just kind of doing it because it's a good thing or for moral reasons then the first step is to ask God for a new heart, to be born again. Say sorry for the things you've done, and God forgives you. So if you're not a Christian and you ask God to change your heart and give you a new one, he will do it. And that's something that you can do today. But for a Christian, right, our hearts have been changed by God, and therefore the things that we say should be in line with what God wants. But that's not always the case, right? We have blessing, that's the bit that comes from God. And cursing, that shows the reality of sin is still alive, still affecting us. And James says, his conclusion is, these things ought not to be so. We should not accept this in our lives. It should be repulsive to us that we pray and praise God and read God's word With the same mouth that produces gossip and slander and disrespect. We should hate the fact that we we have an encouraging conversational Bible study and out of the same mouth comes a rude joke or putting someone down. And we should be rightfully angry when we see this in our own lives and when we see this in the lives of others. Jesus Jesus says, you brood of vipers. And trust me, I'm including myself in that. When the way that we speak doesn't match our faith, we are double-minded. I think the problem is there's a danger. There's a danger that that the way way we talk has become normal to us. Kind of our, our swearing or our gossip or our use of God's name in vain. And we might say, oh, you know, it's just part of my character. It's just part of who I am. Or, or we give it the label of a joke to make it sound okay. Or maybe we don't always know we're doing it. Or we, at least we say that we don't. Or we use an excuse, we might say, oh, I haven't had much sleep. Or I'm in a bad mood. 
And we use it as an excuse for the way that we're speaking. And James says, no. Brothers and sisters, this should not be so. But it is. And so we go back to the problem in verse 8 that no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the heart. And that leaves us in a, a situation of impossibility, right? Because we can't fix it ourselves. We, we recognise we have a problem, at least we, we should do, after, after what James has told us today. But there's nothing we can do in our own strength about it. And that drives us to a point of humility. And out of our humility, we have to look to God, right? A God with whom all things are possible. And we look to God not for a new tongue, but for a renewed heart. We cry out to God like the psalmist who said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence or take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And then and only then can we start to be like the one in verse 2. Then and only then can we start to be like Jesus. Because his Holy Spirit will help us not to stumble in what we say and therefore our whole body will be guided to be more like him. Jesus was the only perfect man who never stumbled in what he said. And therefore his life was not stained. And his life was not set on fire by hell. Out of his mouth only came things that honoured his father. Now don't misunderstand that Jesus always spoke sweet, loving, gentle things. That's not true. We've just seen him calling people a brood of vipers. But he always spoke with the truths of his father. He always spoke in love. And therefore the whole course of his life was completely in line with God. And he spent the whole of his ministry speaking against the way of the world and against religious people. And he drew near and he shared the gospel, his good news. And he spoke with compassion to the poor and the needy. And he took time to talk to people that others would have just walked past or seen as disgusting. And he cared for his disciples and he rebuked them and he disciplined them. And he says to them, do not fear. And even when insults were hurled at him on the cross by those putting him into death, he cried out, Father, forgive them. And his teaching and and the the way that he lived, right, it permeates through the whole of the New Testament. And and, I mean, if you Google what the Bible has to say about, about the way we speak, there's so much stuff in the Bible. I've picked out a few examples. Paul, Paul in his letters He picks out a lot. He says in uh, Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He, He writes to the church in Colossians, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 4, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. And, and if you want examples from the Old Testament, the, the wisdom of Solomon has so much to, to teach us about what we speak, uh, especially through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 23, the, the hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent, 
and their lips promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The tongue of the wise brings healing. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. That famous one in Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So our speech should be gracious, it should be wholesome, it should be helpful, it should be building each other up. It should be truthful and it should be instructive. And Jesus, he lived a life speaking and guided by the words of his father. And we need to ask for his help to do the same. We need the salt pond of our hearts to be replaced by a fresh pond that yields fresh water. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And if your heart is flowing rivers of living water, water, then your tongue will follow. This is not a one-time fix-all thing, right? I was, I was thinking, actually, when I, was, I don't think the church would have read this letter once. I imagine that every few weeks they would have pulled it back out and said, we need to read this bit again. And so we are the same for us. We need constant reminding. We need constant repentance as the fire of hell tries to and does creep back into our hearts and therefore the way we speak. And we need to constantly humble ourselves to recognise that we cannot be the perfect rider. To ride the horse of our lives. We cannot be the perfect captain to steer the ship of our lives. No human being can tame the tongue. We need God. Because nothing is impossible with Him. I'm going to leave leave gaps between the things I say for us to respond in our own hearts. Only if you're able, only if you're able. So let's humble ourselves before our almighty Saviour as he's humbled us with his word today. And I want to start by saying sorry. Let's say sorry to God for the times that our blessing has been followed with curse. The times that our speech has been harsh. The times we've shown disrespect. The times that we have boasted times that we have made other people feel small. The times we've been overly critical. The cruel things we've said. The angry things we've said. Let's confess those things to God. And let's thank God for Jesus, who was mocked by insults as he died on the cross, so that we could be forgiven for those things we just confessed. After he lived a life showing us the right way to speak to others, he made a way that we might be saved. Let's thank him now. And then let's ask him, let's ask God for a changed heart. A heart that only wants to bless and worship him. We might want to use the words of that psalm, creating a clean heart of God. And renew a right spirit in Let's thank God that we can look forward to one day being transformed into the perfect man or woman as the fire of her is extinguished once and for all, and we get to spend eternity worshiping him. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord Jesus, my rock and my redeemer.